Hey guys, this is a new podcast, and I have no fucking idea what number it is, but we're going to kick this out. Um, if you have been following a YouTube video, I took it down. Why? I just don't have time. Um, I am going back and working on my master's, and I'm actually going to uh, Denver to do that, even though most of it's online. I still have to do some clinicals, so I'm going back and forth uh, between Orlando and in Denver. But I want to keep these moving because I feel with my background, I can maybe help somebody. And I've been kind of wanting to address this one, and I put it on the back burner until today. And the reason why is, and I got a tiptoe on this one. Uh, how do I say this? Oh, shit. I really can't tiptoe without throwing somebody on the bus. The yoga studio, the yoga, the yoga studio that I go to in Orlando is like my church. I've been going there for like eight years, and... um. There was an instructor that taught there when I first started, and I'm not even going to say he or she, because I don't want to, if anybody goes there and hears this, I don't want to um, make them uncomfortable. So they were one of the staple instructors of the studio, and in my opinion, and many people's opinion, probably one of the best well, they've been gone for like a year, and word had it was this instructor was financially set, and they decided to just not teach during the pandemic, and since they were financially set, they had decided not to teach when it reopened because they wanted the other instructors to be able to make money. That was the word. So the other day, I ran into this instructor, and I don't want to say we're friends. Yeah, we're not friends. But um, this person has always kind of been um, pretentious, but I've always had mad respect for them because they are an amazing fitness instructor as far as yoga goes. Looks the part, very... Uh, dry sense of humor, which I liked, um, kicked your ass in classes. Like I just always had, uh, looked up to this person. So the first day I saw them, I was a bit shocked because they had gained at least a hundred pounds. And if you followed my career, you know, at one point in my life, I had ballooned to 275 um, I'm 215 now, and I remember that feeling all too well of going back to the gym after I had been out and seeing people look at me with a shock in their face, but then acting, you know, trying to be polite. So I knew right away I didn't want to do that, and I just said hi, and they were kind of a bitch to me, but that was expected. Well, then today... Uh, I got to the studio early. I ran in the back and the bathrooms around the hallway. And we kind of came into a situation where um, we had to talk. And we had hung out when I first moved here. And so I had a little bit of um, connection with this person. So it wasn't like we're, we never really talked outside of the studio. And I just said, how are you? And they were still being pretty pretentious. And then... I saw something I did not expect. 
um, this, what's the, I don't know how to word this, this uh, overwhelming sense of loss, of self, of everything that this person was. And what I mean by that is, like I said, well, when are you going to come back teaching? And this person said, I'm just a student right now. And I don't remember the words that came out because everything was kind of taking me back. But basically, this person was kind of um, didn't know who they were, didn't know the impact that they had on people at one point in their life, didn't know the power and how, how looked up to they were. So I let them go on for a little minute and I just, I pulled my mask down and I just said, you do know you are one of the best instructors that's ever taught here. And they just kind of looked at me and I said, don't forget that, you know? And, um, I think they got a little teary eyed at one point and I just said, you know, I didn't say it this way, but basically I'm like, you know, you gain some weight, you know, you'll get back on. And, um, it was, a an uncomfortable moment, but cause we don't have that relationship. And I think in most cases, because this person can be a bitch, um, normally me, myself included, I would just be a bitch back. So that's the point of, hey, dude, are you done? My dog drives me crazy. He will lick the bowl for two hours after there's no food in it. And you hear the sound effects? It drives me insane. It just drives me insane. Sounds like two lesbians in the corner. Hey, stop it. Drive me crazy. So uh, the original podcast I wanted to talk about was something called, uh, and I think I might have mentioned it in the past, but it's Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And if, you're, if you've taken any medical classes or uh, science classes, physiology classes, psych classes, you've heard about this. He's like the number one uh, a psychologist, is that the word I want to use, that's ever been used in books. And what he does is a pyramid, and I'll leave a link below if you want to look at it. Maybe you have a flashback from school. It's interesting now because um, it's a pyramid, and the bottom of the pyramid is, it says psychological needs. The next level is safety needs. The next level is love and belonging. The next level is esteem. The very top level is self-actualization. And what it's, he said, and this is what they taught us in school, is that the bottom of the pyramid is what you must have to get to the next level. And if you don't get all that, you know, your client, your patient, etc., is not going to be complete, right? So the physiological needs include air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. Yeah, we'll go back to that. The next level, safety needs, personal security, employment, resources, health, and property. Next level is love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. The next level is esteem, respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. The very top level, self-actualization, he defines as the desire to become the most that you can be. Now, it's interesting, and I'm going to actually attach this article, if you want to read it, to this podcast, but... A lot of psychologists now are coming out and saying, uh, he's wrong, right? And 
they go back into his history and he basically dived himself into work and you know he wasn't happy with his family and it's kind of interesting to read because it's just like well then who are you to tell us right but this article talks about the biggest point is that you need to stop at the t- you need to start at the top of the pyramid not the bottom and i thought that was pretty interesting because it's completely the opposite of what they taught us in school that your first priority is to just become the most and the best that you can be um, and that you don't need the four layers or pillars or whatever you want to call it below that to get there. Now, put this whole thing on the back burner, and I want to talk about how this pandemic is really fucking with our heads. So I know myself that, um, I mean, I battle with depression anyhow, but um, I'm struggling. And... I feel bad about that because I live in Florida mostly where I call it the Wizard of Oz because every time I go out of state and come back here, it, I tell people it's like the Wizard of Oz in the movie when it turns color because, you know, my yoga studio is open and almost every yoga studio in America has gone out of business and uh, people are practicing at home on a computer and it's just not the same thing. And our studio is open. Our businesses are open. The businesses are booming here. The expressway is like Los Angeles traffic. Um, it's almost like there's no pandemic going on. And then when I go to D.C. or Chicago or Michigan, I got friends in Baltimore, uh, Jersey, um, I see them. I, how do I say this? They're gone. I, I don't even see them anymore. The, the People that I see now are not the, the the people that I used to know, and many just sit on their couch. Uh, they've lost their jobs. They're living off their their retirement. They're popping you know Vicodin or Xanax and smoking pot and drinking and on the apps and having sex with everybody and trying to constantly feel better. And it's just you know this vortex down to nowhere and. It really scares me because I don't think my friends are ever coming back. So what is the point of this fucking rant, right? Well, where are you at? How are you doing, right? This is fucking hard. And uh, if you don't know, I was was in the front line of uh, COVID nursing for quite a while. I was doing crisis nursing. I put uh, numerous people in body bags. I fought... Uh, in the front line with all the nurses and the doctors. I saw it firsthand. If uh, you think that any of that was uh, made for the news media, you're wrong. Uh, The things I saw were horrific. Uh, The biggest things I saw that were bothersome was the neglect of care. Um, One of the hospitals I worked at in uh, Texas, Arcana, um, there was an old hospital. Like, Imagine if you pull up to if you're pulling off a main artery street and pulling to a hospital to the left was an old building and it was like old part of the hospital. They had closed to the right was the new building. They, uh, the group that I worked with crucial staffing worked with FEMA. They came in and they reopened this old section and there was a tunnel underneath that connected to the new hospital. Every floor in, um, the old building was a COVID ICU. We, uh, basically wore, 
bubbles for 12 hours a day, and the IV poles were 30 feet away from the patients, and the patients were coming over from the other hospital. Now, there was a lot of anger because the staff nurses over there were not getting hazard pay. They were getting their regular pay, which is probably $29 to $35 an hour, and we were getting paid $120 an hour. You're going to hear a huge bark here in a second. Watch. Somebody's walking a dog outside. Uh, I guess we're not. So there was this really uh, intense, uh, we're not in the same team kind of thing. And what happened was the respiratory therapists uh, refused to come over. The janitors refused to come over. The secretaries refused to come over. Um, and if you needed supplies, we had a lot of supplies, but if we needed certain things, we had to meet them at the end of the hallway because they refused to come over. And what happened was if they admitted the people in the ER, uh, they would, if we had a bed, they'd bring them over under under the tunnel. But if they were COVID, but if we didn't have a bed, they put them in a waiting area. And I received one patient, I will never forget, that um, it was just, uh, it was, ugh. it was total neglect. Um, her dentures were hanging out of her mouth. Uh, it had to be for three days. Nothing was done with her mouth. No oral care. She was laying in feces. Um, an elderly black woman. Um, and believe it or not, was she intubated? Yes, she was. She was intubated. And um, Oh, no, she wasn't. She wasn't intubated yet. But she was having respiratory issues. Um, they don't like to intubate them until the very end because once you get intubated... Um, every day you're on one of those machines, it increases the chance you're not going to come off. A standard measurement is every day you're on a, a life support machine, it's a 10% chance you're not coming off. COVID's a little bit different. You have a longer window, but they just really don't like to intubate somebody unless they have to. Um, she did end up getting intubated, but um, she actually died on one of my shifts. But um, when she came over, she was just so neglected. And the thing that I am still bothers me to this day... I didn't have time to take care of her. You know, you are just busting your ass. You know, remember, we didn't have respiratory therapists. So the doctors would come in and change the, the ventilator orders. And I've never worked a ventilator. I know what they mean or what they do, but I'm not a respiratory therapist. And I had to learn. And uh, I guess as exciting as that was, it was, uh, it was a lot. It was a big responsibility. And... Um, I couldn't take care of the patients that were coming in. And then to top it off, the building we were in had no windows. And usually what happens at other hospitals I've worked at is the families have window visits and they can go to the window and they can see them. And also, you know, I always try to tiptoe like I'm going to not piss somebody off. I really need to get over that. So the area we were in Texas, it was, uh, you know, Trump land. And a lot of people didn't believe that the virus existed. And so they would call several times during the day. Remember, we didn't have secretaries, so we had to talk to them. And they would be like, oh, how's my mom? Did she have a good night? You know, they were totally oblivious to the point that they were hanging on a string. And depending what staff member was on that day, you know, it got to the point where, unfortunately, you just kind of try to get them off the phone because you just can't 
it, we didn't have the staff or the people that needed to talk to the family to tell them what was happening. So you just kind of bit your tongue and you just said, oh, yeah, they're fine or, or whatever. And then when they died, they died alone. And um, I tried as much as I could if one of my were, were was going to die. If you watched me on Facebook, I made a video. But um, I tried to hold their hand. And um, not let them die alone. And you know, that wasn't just me. All of us, every one of the nurses that were there, we, we pretty much all felt the same that, you know, um, we just weren't going to do that. And um, after a while of that, and the building was really old and yellow, and it was kind of gross, we uh, all decided to start coloring our hair because... It, it was just becoming so dark and dingy, the the atmosphere we were working in. We just thought if we all colored our hair different colors, it would kind of bring something stupid and laughter. And it did. Like I, um, you might saw some of the pictures, but my my, went, my hair was uh, teal, and all of us picked a different color. And guy or girl, it didn't matter. It was just it just kind of made us all laugh. Um, and that's what we had to do to get through it. Um, I might go back. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe one day. But um, it's tough. It's brutal. And uh, I'm kind of rambling. But I wanted you to know that's what's going on out there. And so if you're sitting there and you're depressed, you know, I'm trying to figure a way I can help you. Try to think about what you have. And, you know, look around at the big picture of things. You know, uh, the homeless population is becoming ridiculous. And do you have a roof over your head? Do you have food? Do you have a family that could help you or friends that could help you, you know, if you lose everything? I don't know what the answers are, guys. I just know this is not over. And in my gut, and I've talked to several people I worked with, I have a feeling a third wave is coming. And... It might be worse, one of the worst ones we've seen. And I, I hope I'm wrong. But, you know, when you watch Britain and uh, all the other countries, usually what happens there comes here. And, you know, it's the marshmallow test. And I mentioned that in another podcast somewhere. But if you don't know what the marshmallow test is, it's when a kid sits there and they say, you know, we'll give you one marshmallow now. But if you wait 15 minutes, we'll give you two. And most of the kids can't wait. They eat the one marshmallow. Um, and that's what, our, that's what America's doing right now. People just can't wait two or three more months. And they're going out and they're doing their things. And this virus is going to keep mutating. And it's scary. And uh, I talked to uh, my friend, Mike, he is a head doctor of Beaumont hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan. And he's one of the top infectious disease guys there. 
And I asked him, you know, because Michigan's getting annihilated right now. I said, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, I don't fucking know. He's like, I just know I've worked every fucking day. And, you know, he's just over it. And I said, I asked him specifically, who's coming in? You know, and he's like, it's the 20 to 40 year olds that last year were all saying, this isn't my problem. I'm not wearing a mask, you know, and I'm like, are they dying? And he's like, yep. And he said, they're not getting intubated as fast and not as many are dying, but they're coming in. And I asked, do they have comorbidities? Are they fat? Do they smoke? And he's like, no. So everyone's at risk, guys. So I know sitting at home and not having our lives back and things that used to make us happy and concerts and, uh, group things. And, uh, you know, it's not easy, but I'm going to tell you, you know, making the wrong choices to make yourself feel better immediately is going to put you further down the rabbit hole. And you guys, I am not in a box. Trust me. You know, I, I think one weekend I ate five pints of fucking Haagen-Dazs. I just sulked and that's how I feel better because sugar increases your dopamine. And, you know, I got uh, myself off that freaking road from hell, but we all have ways of making ourselves feel better. And mine is just like sugar, you know? But I know a lot of people have different things that they reach for to feel better. And it could be, you know, overeating. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. Um, and I know a lot of people that are on these apps and they're just hooking up left and right. And um, I am uh, not partaking in that. And uh, I was with a, a guy for a year and... Uh, I really miss having that connection with somebody, one person, you know, so I'm not going to go hop in bed with all these people. It's just, I know it's going to make me feel worse. So if you're doing any of that or all of it, stop. Um, and if you need to talk to somebody, you know, get into some of these, uh, support groups online or, or find somebody if you need some directions. Reach out to me. I'll find you somebody. Like I, uh, we'll figure it out. But this isn't over. Um, so check the link out. It's kind of interesting. The Maslow hierarchy of needs. And remember that now a lot of psychologists are actually telling, uh, expressing that they think this is wrong. That you should start at the top of the pyramid, and the rest just come into your life uh, when they come. Um, it, people, the new psychologist are saying it's not something that's, uh, it's cathartic, the right word where it's like uh, in order or I don't know if that's the right word I'm using, but, um, it basically just falls into your life when it falls into it and you do need all these, but you don't need them in any certain order. That's what they're basically saying. So I'm going to connect the article, see what you think. And, you know, um, I wish I could just, uh, reach out and hug you because I know, some of you guys are really struggling and, um, yeah. Oh man, who knew, who fucking knew 
this shit would happen. I, I uh, was talking to my friend Larry Flick, and I used to have a show with him on Sirius Radio. And once a month, I would go to New York City, and we'd record, and I loved it. I would get up at you know 4 in the morning on Friday, fly to New York, record. And uh, I never thought in a million years it was going to end. I mean, everything ends, but who knew that one day this would happen? You know, it just, it's just crazy how, boom, things change. So in closing, and I'm trying to, I'm going to say this without being Debbie Downer. We don't know what's going to happen, guys. Um, uh, how do I say this? What if, you know, this thing keeps mutating and eventually takes everybody out? Is there a possibility of that? I don't fucking know. But it's not stopping. And there's going to be people that are not going to get vaccinated. And, um, you know, this thing mutates in people who are sick at the hospital. Like, it's just going to keep mutating and mutating. Let's say, hypothetically, that this is going to end the world. And that's a far stretch, right? Do you want to spend this last year sitting on your couch, crying, um, or getting out there and trying to be as happy as you can? You know, I don't know if that helped you or not, but you know, get outside, move, get a bike, walk, get outside, just get outside. Don't sit inside and sulk. Um, just don't get in that rut, man. And now I'm chasing my tail in a circle, so I'm going to wrap this up, but hope I help somebody and, uh, talk to you soon. Bye.